Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your... Oh, maybe? (laughs) Maybe? No, yeah, maybe. Maybe, okay. We're undecided today. (laughs) Anyway, we are your hosts for the evening. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) That's that's all I'm going to... I'm tired. I... Woke up to go to work this morning, and Chris has been waking me up because he, he goes in like three hours later than I do, because mm-hmm. uh, he leaves for work at five thirty, so he gets up at five. But I don't have to be at work till eight thirty, so I was like, "Oh, wake me up when you get up." So I've been getting up, and this morning I got up, and he left, and I took a shower, and then I wrapped my hair up in a t-shirt because I don't use a towel, and. I laid in bed and I fell back asleep and I woke up at 7.45. I have to leave my house at 8 to get there at 8.30 and my hair is still wrapped in a towel. Well, did you get to work on time? No, I got there at 8.31. Oh no. (laughs) However (laughs) will they survive without you for one minute? (laughs) I was up until 5 something this morning. And then I got woken up around 10 o'clock because I forgot to put my phone on Do Not Disturb like I always do. And Hate that. I got a, I got a spam call. Oh. And so then I fell back asleep for about two more hours before my puppy decided to run into the room and jump on my sternum. So <laughs> today is just, it's one of those days. But we're going to power through and we are going to make this a great episode. Aren't we, Brittany? Yes. She's eating cheesecake and I'm very jealous. Okay, so today's case is going to be about Daniel Wozniak. This is a case that my sister's friend Timmy actually recommended to me. I hadn't heard about it before, but as I was... His name is Timmy? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I know him as. I don't know if his full name is Timothy or if it's just Timmy, but yes, Like Timmy, Timmy Turner? Yes. <laughs> Does he have fairly godparents? I, I don't think so, but I don't think I would know that because they aren't visible to anybody but him. Ask him. <laughs> okay, I'll ask him. <laughs> so, Daniel Wozniak, this case was... This case actually upset me, which it do, cases don't usually upset me, but this one I just... It's... Usually there's a motive behind something happening... But I, I can't identify necessarily a motive for this one. And so I think that's that bothers me because it feels like I don't completely understand everything. But we're going to talk about it. And maybe you guys have some general ideas that I didn't come up with. So feel free to let us know once you listen to the episode. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started on some background. I'm actually going to talk about the victims first and then Daniel because fuck Daniel. So first we have Jury. Kibuishi. She went by Julie. She was born on Valentine's Day, 1987. She was the third child and the first girl born to June and Masa Kibuishi. She had two older brothers and a younger sister. So she was an all-star softball player when she was younger. She also enjoyed to dance. She was described as kind, full of life, graceful, dynamic, compassionate, warm. Basically would do anything for a friend. Um, Um, And she... Yes. I know she probably got murdered, but <laughs> you know how like when it, when somebody gets murdered or they die and then they're like, oh, she's the light of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I always yeah. wonder. I <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. It's like I always wonder how accurate that actually is or if that's just them being nice if to I the dead. get murdered or I die, I don't. Can you just tell nobody to show up to my funeral? I don't. <laughs> I will do my best. I will just do like my best. Just like it with Chris. Just like it with Chris and <laughs> Yeah. Do like a little memorial thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll see what I can do. That's assuming I don't die first, but. Mm. <laughs> All right. And I, so, and I would like Taylor Swift to play at it. Well, I'll do my absolute best with that. Like just <laughs> on a repeated loop. Okay, I will. I'll make that happen. Okay, continue. Uh, so, Julie, she met our other victim, Samuel Hare, at Orange Coast College, where they were both students. Julie was pursuing fashion design. Um, oh, and she at- she's gonna be like Coco Chanel. Coco Chanel did fashion design, right? <laughs> no, I'm thinking of Vera Wang. 
Are you okay? <laughs> Barrowing. Yes, Barrowing. <laughs> so she was pursuing fashion design while she was there. She was also living at home with her family. And she was tutoring Sam in their anthropology class. She was 23 at the time that all of this happened. Then what is um, anthropology? It's kind. Of, it's like a history class. I'm trying to think. It's similar to archaeology in the sense that it's like the study of ancient cultures. But I think it's... Hold on. Let's Google it. Anthropology is the study of humanity concerned with human behavior, human biology, cultures, and societies in both the present and the past. So I was kind of right. So in a way, it's like an offshoot of archaeology. Just more so focused on... So it's not about bugs? No. Okay. Why did you think it was about bugs? <laughs> because anthropology sounds like antenna. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> I was just like, I, I don't know where this train of thought was going, but yeah, okay. And bugs it. have antennas. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. No, no, it's not about bugs. <laughs> so then we have Samuel. I think his middle name is Eliza. It's, <laughs> I genuinely don't know how this is pronounced. I've never seen this word before, but it's spelled E L I E Z E R. That was his middle name. And he went by Sam. Gotta keep an eye out for you, lies. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he was born on May 29th, 1983. He was the only child born to Steve and Raquel Hare. The family was described as being super close. I don't know if that's just because they were, like, he was an only child or if there was another reason. Like, they all just genuinely got along with each other. But... He was described as fun to be around, the big brother type, very protective, and Julie herself had, like, told her mom about him and said that he was a big teddy bear. Aww. He was a war vet who fought in Afghanistan for three years, so he suffered from night terrors, symptoms of PTSD, and he was 26 at the time that all of this happened. And then Mr. Daniel Patrick Wozniak this motherfucker born on march 23rd 1984 he was an actor and director but was otherwise not not employed i guess he didn't have like a full-time job i never um, saw him in anything <laughs> well he did mostly community theater so well, i yeah. still never saw him <laughs> so, so he's not too big of an actor <laughs> he was very prominent and active in community theater in the los angeles area community theater's not paid to my knowledge like that's what my sister said she when she lived in la she was doing community theater and i don't think they were paid for that sort of thing so even though he was acting i guess pretty regularly in these productions he wasn't really making money it's not broadway sir yeah, so I don't know. Anyway, it's weird because the only descriptions I could find for this guy were that he was like, okay, so he was called jovial, charming, personable, funny, polite, and somebody even said good looking, but it's like, mm. I'm going to look him up. I guess if that's your type, but <laughs> he was apparently 6'2", so I'm sure that plays into why people thought he was attractive, but I don't personally. <laughs> when you Google him, it comes up as an American theater actor. <laughs> <laughs> not a murderer well he's he's a murderer and at the time <clears throat> he has a unibrow <laughs> i mean i feel like most men do because they don't really groom themselves that thoroughly anyway at the time he was engaged to rachel buffett who was also an actor they had actually met in theater productions and they acted together a lot so Anyway, the crime. I'm not going to do the sound effects. I thought about it. Please do, do it. it. Do it. Ah, do it. Fine. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Maybe. Maybe. It's loading. It's loading. So, on Friday, May 21st of 2010, Julie met with her brother Taka for dinner in Long Beach, where he asked her to be a bridesmaid at his wedding. While they were, yeah, while they were at dinner, he had given her a tiara to wear. I guess that was like the invitation to be the bridesmaid type thing. While she was at dinner, she was receiving weird texts from Sam. So I have some quotes here of the actual texts that she received. So one of them Wait, said, "Can was you?" Was 
sorry, was he asking Julie to be his bridesmaid? Or I his don't partner's know. bridesmaid? Oh. I don't know. It didn't specify. It just said to be a bridesmaid. So some of the texts that Sam was sending were, quote, Can you come over tonight at midnight alone? Going out for a bit. Very upset. Need to talk. Unquote. And then the next one says, Please, no sex. I need to talk to someone. Unquote. And Julie replied, LOL, ew, Sam. We are like bro and sis. No sex. Unquote. Um, and then the next one was, quote, I'm hurting with some bad fam crap. I can't be alone. No sex. Please, I'm begging as a brother. Unquote. So already off the bat, I'm like, this doesn't seem like him because of the fact that because she said we're like bro and sis so like the fact that they brought up the no sex it's like I don't think he would have done that especially because I think I read somewhere that Julie was already in a relationship anyway with somebody who was stationed in Japan I don't know if that's actually true or not I only saw that in one place but yeah that like just the fact that they were considered odd texts like it's not him. Also, that's kind of weird to text your tutor that. Well, they were considered friends, too. Like they. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they, I think they started out as, like, a tutor relationship type thing, and then it grew into, like, a friendship where they would hang out outside of that. Yeah. So, obviously, because Julie is the type to actually do anything for a friend, she agreed to help, so she left dinner, and she drove to Sam's apartment. I think I mentioned earlier she was living at home, so the next morning, Julie's mother woke up and found that Julie hadn't come home, so she thought maybe she had stayed the night at the brother's house, and so she texted and called Julie, but got no response. So then she texted and called Taka, and Taka was surprised because he had explained that Julie was getting these weird texts from Sam, and then June knew immediately that something was wrong. So she called the police. But this is going to really piss you off. The police brushed her off because her daughter was 23 and a college student. They said she was probably out drinking. In the morning? She's out drinking in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> LA so, has the worst police department. Facts. Rivaled very closely with New York. To New York. <laughs> like, those <laughs> two are the worst. Real. Especially, like, throughout the 80s and 70s and 80s. Blech. Don't even get me started on LAPD in the 80s. <laughs> so at the same time, Sam's parents weren't able to get in contact with him. He was supposed to be going over to their house that weekend because, like I said, they were very close. So they called his phone and it went directly to voicemail. So around 9 p.m. that night, Steve Hare, Sam's dad, drove to Sam's apartment to go check on him. And nobody answered the door, but Steve had a key, so he let himself in. So at first, things looked okay. He said that in the living room, everything looked normal. But then as he's walking through the apartment looking for Sam, he checks in Sam's bedroom and he finds Julie's dead body on the bed and Sam is missing. Oh! Okay. Yeah, she had been shot twice in the head. The investigator said that her body was found in a position that made it appear that she had been sexually assaulted. But... After investigating, they determined that she wasn't. The scene had just been staged to make it look that way. So her pants were cut and, like, pulled down to her knees. And someone wrote, all yours, fuck you, on her sweatshirt. She was still wearing the tiara that her brother gave her. Stop! Yeah. That's (laughs) so sad. sad. That made me really sad. So... Before the weird text that Sam had sent, police saw that he had sent one around 2.45 that afternoon explaining that he was going to be helping out a friend slash his neighbor with something, and then he was going to be going to his parents' house for the weekend. So he explained what his plans were, and that he was hanging out with this person before he was... So, like, that person would presumably be the last person who actually saw him, assuming that these other texts were not him. Sam obviously became the primary suspect because she was found in his apartment. There was these weird texts between the two. And as police were looking into it, they found out that he had been arrested in the past in what sounded like a gang initiation situation where he had been accused of luring somebody to a parking lot where that person had been beaten to death or something like that. So he was acquitted of that, but he had been arrested for I guess, murder in the past, so obviously police are like, oh What? My God. How do you just... <laughs> Wait, how do you just casually get arrested for murder? Well, like I said, it was like he lured somebody somewhere, but there, I guess either there wasn't enough evidence to prove it, or he was 
not actually involved in this thing. But this Wait, happened what before. what gang was he in? I have no idea. It didn't uh, say. <laughs> but probably this happened. Like, probably, yeah. <laughs> probably like the Bloods or the Crips. I don't want to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> that happened a couple of years before he joined the military. So he kind of straightened up after that. How but do you get was, arrested for murder and still be able a, to join the military? He was acquitted. So he technically. I know. But <laughs> he's not, still. He, so he's not found guilty in the eyes of the law. So. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> Steve contacted Sam's friend Ruben, and Ruben revealed that he had also been trying to get in contact with Sam, but was unsuccessful. Until, eventually, somebody answered the phone. Ruben knew that it wasn't Sam, though, because the person, when they answered, said, hey, bro, and Sam never called him that. And also, he said the voice just didn't sound the same. So, the, yeah, so obviously. the person said, no, the person on the other end said that he was busy and dealing with some family things before hanging up on Ruben. And so Ruben tried calling him back, but never got an answer again. What was the point of even answering in the first place? My guess is it was probably an accident, but it's like, oh, you can just, yeah. you can just hang up. <laughs> like you can just hang up you don't have to like yeah. actually answer the phone and so then another one of sam's friends who was stationed with him overseas miles fultz he said that he knew that sam would never have done something like that because of the way that he was so protective over his friends and family and julie was in that group so he believed that it was maybe sam's past catching up with him like the whole like gang past or just bad past or whatever and so he took it upon himself to like protect sam's family by like staying with them with his gun just in case anybody tried to come after them so investigation police decided to question people in sam's friend circle including his neighbors rachel buffett and her fiance daniel wozniak so they said that the last time they saw sam was the day before the murder and he was with a guy in a black hat. Later, they claimed that was a lie. Oh, okay. Anyway, so during this investigation phase, Sam's ATM card was used about 17 miles away from where the crime scene is. It was used at a pizza parlor and at an ATM in Long Beach. So $400 was withdrawn at the ATM. So police were able to check the security footage to see who withdrew the money. But Wait. it shows... What? How much how much did they spend at the pizza parlor? I have no idea. It didn't say. <laughs> okay. So they pull the security footage, but it shows somebody who is not Sam. Oh, really? Yes. So detectives go and check out the pizza parlor that the money was spent at. And an employee said that he believed he knew who the person was that was in the security footage. So they gave him an address. And so police set up surveillance at this place. How do you just randomly have an, a, a cust- like a customer's address? Delivery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. As a delivery driver, I should know this. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Well, a former delivery driver. Let me just throw that out there. Anyway, police set up surveillance outside this place thinking they had found Sam's hideaway. You know, he was just chilling out at this house when I guess they must have ordered another pizza and pizza delivery went there. And so cops decided to move in. And instead of finding Sam, they find 16-year-old Wesley Freilich and his friends. <laughs> oh. So Wesley told police that he didn't actually know Sam, but he had gotten the card from a friend who told him that he worked for a bail bondsman agency and that they needed a third party to withdraw the money from the account because the person had skipped town and he owed dues or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Wesley's yeah I have questions (laughs) as you should but keep in mind this is a 16 year old kid he doesn't he's he's just like I'm trying to order pizza please leave me alone (laughs) so he said that the person who gave him the card was a friend and he showed paperwork that looked legit to back up this whole bail bondsman thing so he agreed to withdraw the maximum allowed amount every single day to help pay back this supposed debt that the guy owed so he said that the man who asked him and like the friend who asked him was an actor who had taught him theater and someone he respected a lot as a mentor. 
Dan Wozniak. So this was an actual quote from what the kid said. He said, he had an actual folder of paperwork saying that this was all legal and that since I was a minor, I can't be charged. And that's when he pulled out the ATM card and gave me the instructions to withdraw the full amount and to make sure I wore a hat and glasses, unquote. So, well, if you can't be charged, why do you have to wear a hat and glasses? That and also like... I feel like the hat and glasses should have raised some red flags. Like, even if you're 16, like, like why, why do I need to do that, you know? Anyway, so Sam's dad was also kind of doing his own investigation behind the scenes, trying to figure out where his son went, because he didn't believe that Sam was the one who actually did this, obviously. You're not going to think that your family member is capable of murder, even if well, it and turns out point, they are. Yeah, and uh, they probably are just trying to, like, oh, wait, this is Dan's dad, right? No, this is Sam's dad. Yeah, they're probably just trying to find Sam. Yeah. They want to know where their son is. Yeah, they want to know where he is, if he's okay, all that. So he got numbers for all of Sam's friends, and he went and he called them, and he actually called Dan and spoke to him. Dan claimed that Sam was nervous the last time that he saw him, and that he was talking about family problems, which is this thread that keeps coming up. But keep in mind that the family was super close, so... Steve said he knew immediately that Dan was lying and knew something because if there were family problems, obviously Steve would have known about it because it's his son and it's just him, the mom and Sam. So police initially believed that Dan was maybe protecting Sam and withdrawing the money for him to help him hide, you know? So they pick him up for questioning at his bachelor party. dang they probably thought it was gonna be strippers (laughs) they wanted a little a little fun too Uh uh-huh yeah understandable (laughs) so the interrogation during questioning police tell dan that they intend to charge him with accessory after the fact just to get him talking you know police are technically allowed to fib up to a certain point to get somebody talking i'm not really a huge fan of that tactic i mean it doesn't matter yeah because you could lie and then they can admit under duress and then you have to throw out the exactly like it could get to the point where they appeal because they're just like i didn't have a lawyer present or i didn't you know like or throw out that evidence altogether they exactly so Dan claims that he and Sam came up with this plan to commit fraud together by having Wesley withdraw the money and then Sam would call the bank and say that the card was stolen so that they would like they would give him more money you know and arrest Wesley in the process yeah Dan also claims that Sam admitted to killing Julie after having done drugs and drinking heavily because he was quote depressed about his family unquote Dan said Sam asked Julie for sex she said no and then he shot her twice Dan then said that Sam had threatened him and his wife if Dan didn't help him escape. Actually, it's your fiance. You're not married yet. <laughs> yes. He said the last time he saw Sam was when he dropped him off at a shopping center in Long Beach. So that was Dan's initial story. But remember, they also said at first that they had last seen Sam with a guy in a black hat. So this was around the time when they're like, okay, that was a lie. This is what actually happened. Yeah. But because he lied already once, what's to say he didn't lie again, you know? Yeah. So police, they always collect DNA samples to try and eliminate people. So because he was being cooperative, they collected a saliva sample from him. And when they explain what they're going to do with it in an attempt to eliminate him. Did they have DNA? I don't know. Like, was there DNA evidence at the crime scene? I think there was, but at this point, they hadn't gotten results back. Oh, okay. Because this all happened pretty quickly. I think this was only, like, two days after the murder, two, three days. Like, this all happened within the span of a week, basically. So, Dan became worried, it seemed like, about them possibly finding his DNA in the apartment. Mm -hmm. So, he came up with this explanation saying that he was in the apartment on Friday and he had used the bathroom and may have been in a couple of other places in the apartment, you know, trying to cover his tracks. And then, as the police continue to question him about his involvement in the case... He starts to get more and more defensive and angry because they were asking, you know, 
like where is sam he keeps insisting he dropped him off he doesn't know where he is he's insisting he didn't have anything to do with julie's murder so around this time police can kind of tell that he's not telling the whole truth they just don't know what he's hiding Mm -hmm. so they decide to tell him, you know, we're going to arrest you and charge you with accessory to murder. Because at first he had just come in for questioning, but they were saying, oh, we're going to officially charge you. And so Dan starts to change his story again, saying that he'll basically say anything that would get him out of there and to his wedding that was on that Friday. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So now he claims that he did see the body, saw two bullet hole wounds in her head, and everything that had happened to her clothes, like, with the writing and the cutting. Like, he said that the pants had been, like, cut with scissors, which was consistent with what looked like to happen, because, like I said, the scene was staged to make it look like she had been assaulted, but she actually hadn't been. So as questioning progressed, police decided to bluff and said that the DNA, like, his DNA was found on the body. Mm -hmm. And so he said that if it was, it was because he was right over the body. So it's like they keep like nudging him and it keeps changing his story. So obviously Mm -hmm. he's still lying. So questioning progresses. He then contradicts himself and tried to claim he didn't actually know where she had been shot, even though it was shortly before that he had said he'd seen the wounds in her head. So he started getting his lies twisted. Yeah. And then he claims he helped to clean the crime scene. That's, like, how he knew whatever was in here. Well, how did you clean the crime scene if the body's still there? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I was like, "Mm." I guess getting rid of, like, bullet casings or something, but, like, otherwise... If the body is still there, they have a pretty good amount of evidence. Yeah. So, Rachel's brother, Noah, was also under suspicion at first, and they questioned him for a while, but he was never charged. And this is Daniel's fiancé? Yeah, Rachel is Daniel's fiancé. So... I think what it said in the Dateline episode I watched was that Noah had, like, driven Daniel to one of the ATMs or something to get money or something. I don't remember exactly. So they thought he might have been involved, but he didn't actually know anything. Yeah. So while Dan was being held in jail, he called Rachel, and as you probably know, all phone calls from jails and prisons are recorded. (laughs) So during this call... Rachel says that she needs to tell the detectives that Dan's brother, Tim, said that he had had some evidence. Because I guess Rachel had seen the brother and the brother's girlfriend before that phone call, and the brother, when he found out that Dan had been arrested, looked terrified, and then, like, accidentally let it slip that he had some evidence. Yeah. So Dan's mood suddenly changed at that point because he was trying to convince Rachel not to turn in that information over to the detectives, but she was just like, no, I need, I need to tell them, you know, like, yeah. they're, they're going to hear this call and they're going to know that I'm hiding something from them, you know? Well, not only that, my brother is going to go to jail and he didn't even do anything. Yeah. And so Dan's mood shifts and he said, quote, then I'm doomed. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. And so then he decides, like, during that phone call, he's like, I'm going to tell them everything. It's just imagine the worst possible thing. And that's that's what happened is essentially what he was saying. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. On May 27th, Dan confessed to killing both Julie and Sam. Because hmm. remember, at that point, they just thought Sam was was on the run. And, and they still thing. haven't found Sam, right? Yeah, correct. So he confesses to killing both of them. So he says that he went after Sam first. They had driven to the Liberty Theater on the Joint Forces training base in Los Alamitos, where Dan claimed he needed help bringing things down from the attic. So while Sam was bent over going to, I guess, pick something up, he shot Sam once in the back of the head, Mm -hmm. but Sam didn't die immediately. Like he was still alive and he started asking for help and then Dan shot him again. Uh So then he took Sam's phone and went to perform in a show that same night. (gasps) What a psychopath. Yeah, and, like, that performance was actually recorded by one of the other cast members' husbands, and Dan does not look stressed at all. Like, what it a doesn't, good actor. It doesn't show that he literally just murdered somebody, you know? Like, usually, 
somebody's gonna be stressed out when they do something that like yeah like you've murdered <laughs> yeah like murder is traumatizing <laughs> for the so. average person i would think yeah so then backstage during the show was when he texted julie those strange texts about like meeting him mm-hmm. being upset with the family things like i that. just don't understand he killed sam and i could kind of get that for like because he's using his bank card to get money but why why text julie there's a reason okay. and i will yes i'm glad so he after the show meets julie at the apartment um at sam's apartment and he uses a key to get inside the apartment basically he pretended like both of them had been called there by sam and they were both worried about him, you know? So he said he goes into the bathroom to reload the gun, and then he asked Julie if she had seen something that was in Sam's bed that was freaking him out. And so she, like, bent over the bed to see what he was talking about, and then he shot her twice in the back of the head. Oh, my God. He returned to the theater where he left Sam's body. I believe it was the next day, and he used an axe and a saw to dismember the body. I believe Mm -hmm. he decapitated the body and then removed like an arm and a hand and then he buried those body parts at el dorado nature center he claimed at the time that he was confessing that the torso was still in the attic of the theater oh my god yeah and then when police asked him what was going through his mind as he was dismembering this body he said that he was actually smiling and laughing because he was like i'd I've officially lost my mind, you know, it's or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, if you're smiling and laughing while dismembering a body, you're probably a sociopath. Psychopathic. Yes. There's no question about it. So police do find uh, body parts that were buried in the park, and they actually found his head on what would have been his 27th birthday. Aww, that's sad. So. What a terrible birthday. Yeah. The evidence that Dan had given to his brother his brother said it was like a box and inside of it was a murder weapon as well as sam's bloody clothes and some personal effects oh my god the brother claims he didn't know what was in the box like he had just been given it and been told to like keep it and hide it or something like that And how old is the brother again i don't know actually like is he young i think he was older than daniel oh okay but he's probably just like he got the box and he's probably like trying to respect his privacy yeah that would be my guess so his motive for killing sam and julie it was quote money and insanity that was what he said this is like an actual quote from him he said quote i'm sorry the truth is i've been slowly going crazy and becoming a pathological liar and i find it hard to tell the truth unquote but like i don't know if you're a pathological liar how can i believe that you didn't just lie (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so Dan allegedly was deeply in debt and was about to be evicted, but he also wanted money to finance his upcoming wedding and honeymoon. However, he claims that the media exaggerated the amount of debt he was in and that he was only like a month or two behind on rent. I believe he said this in a letter to somebody because if anybody ever searches up Daniel Wozniak, you're going to see a blog that's called Daniel Wozniak is my friend.com. Oh. So basically, like, I read about two pages of it, and I still don't know how I feel about it, but basically this person actually owned the theater that Dan, I think owned or managed at least the theater that Dan was doing that last show at. And so, like, they were acquaintances. Wait, did he she- find a torso? No, that was at a different theater, not the one that he was, he was oh, okay, actually okay. doing the show at. So... This person was uh, decided to write Daniel while he was in jail because between the time that this happened and then his trial, it was about four, four and a half years, I think. Yeah. Maybe five. And so he hadn't gone to trial yet. And so this person was just like, I want to hear it from him. Like, I want to figure out what's going on in his head, you know? Like I said, I've only read two pages, so I still don't know how I feel about it, but it makes me kind of uncomfy overall. Oh. I don't like that. I don't either. But I'm going to eventually read the majority of this blog just to see the progression. The person does. Oh, is he like trying to make excuses for him? It doesn't seem like it. And 
I actually don't know. I think it might be a woman because like there are things every now and then that hint, but they never actually specifically say who they are. So mm-hmm. they don't seem to make excuses. Like I went back to the beginning, but I did read like the very latest post as well. Mm-hmm. They acknowledge that Daniel murdered these people. Oh, okay. But they also acknowledge that. Okay, so basically, they wrote this blog, I guess, to humanize him so that he doesn't appear to be the monster who murdered two people. But they do acknowledge that he murdered two people. And so I, I'm like, I get it. But at the same time, it bothers me because it's like, if what he claims is true, that the media exaggerated the amount of debt he was in, then what? He could have just took out a loan. Well, if that claim is correct, then what was his motive? Why did he kill these people if he if it wasn't just for the money? Like, I get... Like, okay, I don't get it because I wouldn't murder somebody. But, like, I understand Sam. He stole his debit card. I still don't understand Julie. We're gonna get to that in just a minute. Oh, okay. I was like, did you pass <laughs> the point? Because I don't get no. it. No, I haven't gotten there yet. So, basically, if money was the motive, Sam had actually told Dan that he had about $62,000 worth of combat pay from when he was overseas in a savings account. That makes sense. Yeah. So, that's why, if money was the motive, I would understand it. But Dan himself is saying that the debt thing was exaggerated so it's like okay if that wasn't the reason why you did it then why did you do it you know he probably it probably is the reason that he did it but he doesn't like he seems like the type to be too proud to admit that he's in debt i could see that yeah that's valid so he probably doesn't want people to think that he was actually in debt that would make sense and so the reason why he killed julie was because he wanted to frame sam to cover his tracks i get that Sam goes missing, and then he's gonna make it look like Sam did kill Julie, so now there's a reason for Sam to go missing. Yeah. So, the only reason why Julie died was to cover up this guy's murder. That bothered me, because I'm just like, first of all... This whole case bothers me! (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. This whole case bothers me, but, like, this is the part that upset me, because it's like, she didn't do anything... Literally, she's just the wrong person. She just happened to be a friend and the type who would drop everything to come and help. So it's... <sighs> anyway, that's why I said fuck this guy, because fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck this guy. Anyway, so in one of the blog posts, they mentioned in one of the letters that he had apparently tried to kill himself shortly after he was arrested. Oh, <laughs> And that he ended up in a coma, but, like, I don't know how true that is because I literally never heard that in any other thing. Like, I read other things and nothing mentions that, so. What a loser. It could just be something he was saying to try and get attention, you know? Trying to make himself appear to be, I guess, remorseful. me, I. Yeah. I killed these people, but I can't do jail, so I have to kill myself. Yeah. And then in that same letter, he also claims that at the time that this happened, he was doing a lot of drugs, like crystal meth, heroin, ecstasy, and a lot of pills. But I have a hard time believing he was doing all of that. Um, if he was- meth is an upper and heroin is a downer. And I guess you could take them at the same time. But when you take heroin, I think you just are asleep. So... I have questions. It's very dangerous if you do them at the same time. But basically, he was just Is saying it that speedballing. I have no idea. I don't think he was doing them all at the same time. But it was just oh. like those are the ones that he was taking in that time frame. Uh, I could see it. Like if you're an addict, but he doesn't seem like he's. I mean, I don't know him, but he doesn't seem like he's an addict. Yeah, that's the thing is that I didn't hear any mention of drugs anywhere except for his letter. Not that this excuses him, but I know when you do crystal meth, you like hallucinate mm-hmm. or like it makes you like super paranoid. So I yeah, mean, I don't know if that equals to killing somebody, but it, if it does, it it doesn't explain Julie's thing. I don't think because it's like he still had to go out of unless his way to was plan. Doing, I was about to say, yeah, unless he like killed Sam and then he like took meth, like was doing meth. And then he was like, oh, my God, I got to kill somebody. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it was just the the whole motive behind this. It bothers me because it still seems unclear. Like, yeah, if it if it was money, I could I could justify that. Like, I can make sense of that in my head. But 
if it's not, then I'm just like, okay, then why did you do this? Like, you know? So he was charged with first degree murder. And then Dan's brother, Tim, and his girlfriend, they were charged with accessory after the fact for hiding the evidence. So Tim pled guilty and he got three years of probation, I guess, out of like a deal. And then the girlfriend's case was dismissed because, like, I don't think she was really actually, like, involved in anything. She just happened well, to be there. I don't want to say, oh, like, like, I feel bad, no. but I yeah. do feel bad if he didn't actually know anything. So during his trial, Dan actually pleaded not guilty in spite of the fact that he had confessed to police. Ugh. And then he did some interviews later where he recanted that confession and says that he never killed either of them. That really bothered me because I'm just like... It's like, he's like, I don't want to stay in jail. Well, it's just like, what are you gaining from saying that you didn't do this? Being you know? an asshole, that's what he gained. Yeah, it's like, you're just dragging, the, you're just dredging this up for the family, making it last a whole lot longer for them. I don't know, it's like, if he felt sorry for what he did, I wouldn't think he was as much of an asshole. Like, yeah, he still murdered people, but at least he has some sort of empathy or human emotion. But it just does not sound like he's capable of that. So during the trial, his defense team didn't really do much of anything to really, like, argue that he wasn't the person who killed them. So, like, they didn't do an opening statement and they didn't do any presenting of witnesses. But they did argue during the sentencing phase to try and get him a lighter sentence. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. That kind of sucks because he can appeal and say he didn't have adequate counsel. Yeah. So... December 16th, 2015, the jury deliberated for about three hours, and he was obviously found guilty. We said it before, but if they deliberate for less than a day, you're guilty. And then for his sentencing trial in January, on January 11th, 2016, the jury deliberated for only about an hour before recommending he be sentenced to death. So he was given the death penalty at his actual sentencing hearing. However, in 2016, so the same year, an execution moratorium was instituted in California and the execution chamber at San Quentin, which is the prison he was actually transferred to, was closed. So there are apparently over 700 inmates on death row, but no executions have actually happened in like a decade or over a decade. It's an execution moratorium. It basically is just like, we're not doing executions. Like... You can keep sentencing people to death, but we're not executing them. Maybe just sentence them to life and... Well, that's the thing. I don't understand why people will still go for the death penalty because, like, the only reason that they're getting put on death row is because it's still a part of state law. But if there's this moratorium and there hasn't been any executions in over a decade even before that was in place, like, it feels like a waste of taxpayer money because... When somebody gets sentenced to death, they're able to do all of these appeals in the process. And so that wastes taxpayer money. (laughs) Yeah, I get, like, I get if they're, like, in Texas and they have, like, a death penalty, like, where they can be executed. Like, I get sentencing them to death because they can be executed. Uh, But I don't understand why you would sentence somebody to death and there's, they're not doing ex- What? Yeah, that, I, it made no sense to me. Like, I understand. So I don't necessarily agree with the death penalty for a multitude of reasons, but I get it. Like, I get why people want it in some instances. But like I said, it is a waste of taxpayer money because it's actually, this is something I researched when I was doing my master's degree, was that the death penalty technically is more expensive than just life in prison because of yep. all of the appeals processes that go it goes through because taxpayers are obviously paying for the legal system to keep functioning because that's government you know so yeah i'm kind of opposite like i get the death penalty and i but i i think like it's not black and white like it is obviously a case-by-case basis yeah uh, i mean like i don't not that I'm for the death penalty, but I'm not, like, against it in, ca- like, cases. Like, Ted Bundy, for example, deserved to be on death row. I don't know. It's a whole topic. But I do think, like, people like Ted Bundy, we should study them more. 
before we execute them. Especially with Ted Bundy, because I, if I remember right, he was hinting at the fact that he had killed more people and yeah. that if they stayed his execution longer, he would tell them about this information. I understand why they decided to be like, hey, fuck you and kill him anyway, but those families now don't have any closure. Yeah, I think, well, that and then like get psychologists in there and study like the mind yeah. of a serial killer. You know what I'm saying? Like the stuff like that. And there's like a, a lot of gray area with the death penalty and I 110% understand that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I do think it's like a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal belief. But yeah, so basically there's a stay of execution. So he's not going to get executed because there are over 700 inmates ahead of him. Put him in life in prison. Es- essentially that's what it was. Like he was on death row, but he wasn't going to be put to death because there's this whole thing in place. Actually, while I was researching, literally yesterday, there was an article that said that Dan had actually been moved out of San Quentin State Prison into a lower security prison as part of what's called the Condemned Inmate Transfer Pilot Program. And so, like, it's a lower security prison technically, but the other persons that are in the program, they still have to be level three or four, which are still considered maximum security. So the basis of the program is, here's like an actual quote from an article that I read about it. So, quote, they describe it as a way for those previously confined to death row to participate in rehabilitation and work programs in order to pay restitution to their victims of their, or their families, unquote. I get that, but... People like Dan, I don't think, can be rehabilitated. Well, and that's the thing, is that I am an advocate for rehabilitation. but 100%. Not for, not for violent offenders, though. No, because, <laughs> I'm sorry, but somebody, uh, John Way Gacy, he murdered all of those boys and he raped them. He, he, some people just cannot be rehabilitated. Violent, violent offenders fall under that category, in yeah. my personal opinion. And in most rehabilitation programs in jails and prisons anyway, they don't allow violent offenders in. And so, because that was another aspect of the research I did for my master's was focusing on rehabilitation and reintegration of ex-offenders into society. But every single thing that I saw, it never, like, violent offenders never qualified for it. So I don't... understand that yeah it's like i understand the concepts behind the program i don't agree with it though yeah like Like, my mom she was in a rehabilitation uh, one of the times she went to prison anyway she was in a rehabilitation thing and it was actually like kind of cool not like cool mm -hmm. but like i mean as a child not a child but like as a teenager i didn't really understand it but now looking back on it it was like they got to go to work which starts to, like, be able to reintegrate them into society. Mm-hmm. The family members would come and do, count, like, not counseling, but, like, um, so, for example, like, my mom was there, and I came, and I got to, like, tell her, you know, X, Y, and Z about mm-hmm. how everything made me feel, and it was a good way to to get things out in the open before – they're released in yeah. in the sense of this way it doesn't hit the fan when they come back into like freedom in a sense yeah and it was it was cool they had to graduate from it off topic but i, I went and so they didn't have like cells in this from what i remember they had like dorm it was like a dorm well anyways mm-hmm. the bathrooms weren't in the room they had like they had one bathroom for the inmates and then one bathroom for the guests. I did not realize that. I walked into the inmate bathroom and I was using the bathroom and I was like, why is this like toilet out here? Like there's like <laughs> two of them and there's no walls. And this um woman comes in and she's in prison and she was like, Oh, what are you doing in here? I was like, on the toilet and I was like, I'm Jackie. <laughs> off topic that's gotta be real awkward it was so steve Hare, uh sam's father said that he actually didn't find out that daniel had been transferred from the authorities themselves he found out from that blog that i talked about the dan wozniak is my friend blog i feel like they should have told the victim's family about that yeah absolutely like that it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't notify the family like I feel like that's something they deserve to know. Well, and I don't understand why they're trying to, like, I get, I guess, rehabilitate. But if you're sentenced to life, why are we going to... That's the thing. That's why I don't understand. Like, if they're confined to death row, if they're sentenced to life in prison, like, 
they're not getting out at any point. It doesn't really make sense to waste those resources on somebody who's literally just going to be in the system the rest of well, their life. Yeah, because I thought rehabilitation is like the rehabilit like systems in place in prison. Therefore, inmates who will eventually be released, not life in prison. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's why I don't necessarily agree with this program, because I'm just like, it's just a waste of money. Like, I guess if they want to find God in prison, that's their prerogative, but like, don't. they all do. Yeah, just they don't. find God. Don't make it be a state-sponsored program of rehabilitation. Or use it for inmates who actually would use it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to be, re- like, I don't know, people who are going <laughs> to eventually get out. Yeah, exactly. So, this final section I'm going to call was Rachel Involved. If you remember, Rachel Buffett is Daniel Wozniak's former fiance. Obviously, after all this happened, they broke it off. But Rachel was charged with three counts of accessory, but she claims that she was innocent. Oh. So, I thought this was interesting. I don't know where I stand on this, but I'm just going to present the stuff that I found to you guys, and then you can decide for yourselves. And me. me. I've never heard of it. I mean, she was convicted of two counts of accessory after the fact on September 12, 2018, and was sentenced to 32 months, so she is technically convicted, and... But as an accessory, not as, like, somebody who did it. Okay. But you guys can determine whether whether or not you think that she actually knew anything about what happened. Okay. So... On May 21st, which is the day that Julie and Sam were both murdered, she said that Dan was acting strangely. He claimed that the reason he was acting strangely was because he had borrowed money from loan sharks and they were after him now, basically. That kind of, that makes more sense than the drug theory. And then there was another witness called Chris Williams who came forward and he told the police that he had gone to Wozniak's apartment on the day that Sam had disappeared. Chris Williams said that he was there to collect money on a loan he had given Wozniak and Buffett and saw the two of them and Hare were there together. Williams told police that at one point Wozniak and Hare left and he was with Buffett for three hours before Wozniak came back with $400 without Hare and was acting very emotional and panicked. So I know the last name is Hare, but you said he came back without Hare and I <laughs> for a second thought he came back bald. Yes, that's that is exactly what happened. This kind of lends itself to that, like, motive, money was the motive theory again. That he was in debt to loan sharks because he left with Sam, then he came back without Sam and with $400, which we know was the amount that was getting withdrawn from Sam's account. So he clearly left, murdered Sam, stole his money, and then came back to, to pay this land shark guy. She also changed her story saying that she hadn't said that she had actually seen that third guy with the black hat that I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, but that she was under the impression that the man was there because Dan had said that he was. So during the performance of Nine, which is the musical that they were in at the time that this happened. Is that the one about, um... I, I, don't ask me because I don't know. I just no, know the name of it. No, <laughs> uh, King Henry VIII had six wives. Okay. Um... So during the performance that night, some of her castmates said that Rachel actually cried on cue in one of the things, which castmates said was unusual for her. Um, I guess they thought that she wasn't as good of an actress to be able to just cry on cue like that. Shady. So they said that it's probably because by that point she already knew that Sam was dead. Mm -hmm. Like she knew that, that Dan had already killed him. Yeah. And that's why she was able to cry so easily. She also claims that she didn't realize that the phone that Dan was texting on from his apartment was not his own, even though Sam owned a flip phone and Dan didn't. So it's like, it was very different phones. Rachel claims she didn't realize that it was a different phone. Probably. So that's, that's a little fishy. I would realize. There were Google searches on the couple's shared computer for how to hide a body and quick ways to kill people. I'm not going to lie. I Googled that, but it was for a case. <laughs> well, that's why I remember, I think it was, uh, I think it was in the Natalie Holloway episode. I was like, if people looked at her search histories, they'd be very concerned. <laughs> so like that, I understand. But the fact that this guy actually murdered somebody. <laughs> yeah. He murdered like, two people. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit more suspicious. And so she also left a comment in response to Julie on Facebook at about the exact time that Julie would have been meeting with Dan the night she was murdered. Ooh. So some people say that maybe it was in a, it was supposed to be like a ploy, trying to make it seem like she, wasn't she was involved. Ha- yeah. 
but initially she had told police that she didn't know that Dan had left the apartment that night because she had, quote, fallen asleep while watching a movie, but the timestamp- I don't know about you, but when I fall asleep watching a movie and I'm on the couch, I wake up a lot easier than I would if I fell asleep watching a movie in my bed. It doesn't happen very often to me, so I can't- <laughs> I can't say. But- it was just the fact that, like, the timestamp on this comment obviously shows that she wasn't asleep at the time. Yeah, you know? like, clearly missed Rachel apparently echoed that whole story about Sam having family problems, even though the family and friends have all said, like, that's not true, there were no family problems. So it kind of makes it seem like she and Dan were, like, colluding in, in a sense. Yeah. And then also, in the Dateline episode, they showed the interrogation room like they had brought Rachel into the interrogation room to talk to Dan I guess and when she had been informed of what he had done she wasn't like surprised I guess like she didn't act like she was like oh yeah he does that every Tuesday well no it was more so just like she turned to him and she was like what have you done but it wasn't like a like an upset or angry it was just kind of like very what have you done it was like what have you done? Yeah, it was just, like, very calm. And, okay, so for that one, like, some people, when they're faced with some, like, traumatic event, they tend to, like, shut down mm-hmm. emotionally because they don't allow themselves to feel emotion. So that's very possibly what could have happened. Well, that, but, she's also an actress, so she probably knew how to control her emotions a lot better than, like, say you and I would. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. But... I've mentioned earlier that during the sentencing hearing for Dan, they tried to argue for a lighter sentence. The way they did that was by trying to pin it on Rachel and basically like, yes, he did it, but what if he had done it under the influence of somebody else, you know? So they were basically trying to make it seem like Rachel was the seductress who lured him into making this decision to murder two people. That would make sense if she had a vendetta against them, but yeah, the only thing that makes sense to me is he needed money, he knew Sam had money, he killed Sam, then realized he had to come up with a reason to get rid of Sam, so he kills Julie, which... Makes sense after you put it all together. Yeah. But, like, why Why would Rachel be like, yo, go kill them? Like, Yeah. Like, there was no evidence that would suggest that she would have any reason to do that. Now, he could have told her his plan, and she was like, ah, all right. Yeah, it's like, if anything, I feel like she might have known after. The fact. Like, or after right before. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think that she was necessarily involved in the planning of it. Like, definitely not to the to the degree of being the one who basically instigated the whole thing. Like, that's bullshit to me. I think she found out after he killed Sam and right before he killed Julie. I could see that because, like, between killing Sam and killing Julie, like, they had the show together. They were back at home together as well for a little while. He was texting on the phone. And it's also his fiance, so he probably... Not like if he does have emotions, he probably was like, Oh my god, this is what I just did. What do I do? How do I get rid of this? Yeah. So that is all of the details of the case. Both of them were convicted of their separate crimes. I'm assuming that Rachel is out by this point. I didn't see anything specifically, but it was only 32 months. So that's like four, three years. Almost, almost, almost three years. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> but it it is what it is. Dan murdered two people. I refuse to accept anything else as an explanation. Go fuck yourself, Daniel Wozniak. Have a good night. <laughs> and Rachel, if you were on it, <gasps> that makes me think of that TikTok. This is for Rachel. You make uh, the voicemail, and it's like, this is for Rachel. You big gang. Oh, I gotta send it to you. <laughs> okay. So. That was the case. Can you understand why it why it upset me more than some of the other ones? Yeah, I get it, but I think I see, or I understand the motive, or, like, I think I can rationalize the motive versus yeah. where I think you're just like, oh. not that you don't get it, but you're just like, why? Well, because it's like, if it was money, I completely understand it. Everything makes sense. But yeah. The fact that he's claiming that it wasn't money, that he wasn't as severely in debt, like, then it doesn't make sense to me. However, he did also admit to being a pathological liar, well, so... Well, that, and I think, <laughs> like, because he was trying to say, oh, no, I'm not broke, I think he's also, like, the type to 
I don't want to admit to my faults because I am Daniel Wozniak. <laughs> yeah. Probably made him feel like it was he was less of a man yeah. if he admitted to yeah. stupid toxic masculinity. That ended up murdering two people. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We are on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on Facebook in a group. Just search up Shockingly Wicked Podcast and your Facebook group will pop up. It's a private group. You just join. We can discuss the case. Let us know what you think, whether or not Rachel was involved, if money was the actual motive. Just come pick our brains and we are also on youtube with our closed caption videos if we get a hundred subscribers we get a url so and we want a url yeah it would make it so much easier we would actually be able to tell you where to go where to find us so go search shockingly wicked podcast we should pop up subscribe and then if you have any case suggestions Email them to shockinglywickedpodcast at gmail.com. That is everything. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye!